So you want to start a podcast, you want to host your own show, talk about something that you're brilliantly passionate about to people who will be fantastically interested week in, week out in what you have to say, grow an audience, maybe earn some money from it even. Is this a pipe dream? Is this a role for you? Can you really make this happen? That's what we're going to be talking about today. My name is Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks. This is episode 143. Well, hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks, a show where we talk about the many different ways that we can thrive in our careers, no matter if it's our second, third, or fourth one. Now, last week, we started a conversation around podcasting, and we looked at this industry from the perspective of the podcast producers, so behind the scenes of podcasting, basically, with Sean McMullen. Now, this week, we are turning our lens into the most visible part of podcasting, the role of the host, the person behind the mic, whose voice you hear in your ears. Now, as soon as I decided that I wanted to explore the role of the podcast host, I said to myself that I wanted to talk to somebody who has not only been podcasting for a while, but has also done many different kinds of uh, podcasts. And so immediately I thought of Jared Morris, someone who has done a number of different types of podcasts. He has done passion-driven hobby podcasts to business-focused shows. He's done internal podcasts for internal audiences to standalone podcasts for a wider set of audience outside of a company, I mean. He's done solos and he's co-hosted shows. So I wanted to reach out to him immediately. And I am so pleased that he said yes, not just for you know, the, the breadth of the discussion that I know we are going to have about this topic, but also because if I get to interview him, uh, it's going to be a milestone episode for me. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you may have heard me credit two people for helping me get started with this podcast, Joanna Penn and Jared Morris. Now, I didn't know either of them at the time, although I've been listening to their shows for a bit, there was this one particular episode where Joanna, uh, on her show, The Creative Pen, was interviewing Jared. And, you know, they were talking about podcasting in general. And I'd already been wanting to start a podcast for two years um, before I heard this particular episode. And so I'd already read many articles. I'd listened to many shows about starting a podcast. But somehow, something clicked for me in that particular episode. And um, I'm going to put a link to the episode on the show notes if you're curious about what exactly that episode was so was about. But there was something about that conversation be- between Joanna Penn and Jared Morris that really struck a chord for me. It was on a weekday, I remember, when I listened to that episode, by the weekend, I had committed to starting Second Breaks. Also, I listened to that episode, I think it was like early April 2017. And in June 2017, this podcast went live. So you can see how impactful that episode was for me. Now, I had the fortunate experience of thanking Jemana Penn already when I interviewed her a year ago and also in person because I met her at Podcast Movement last year. 
And uh, so that's why I said uh, this episode uh, is a milestone one for me because this time I got to thank Jared as well. Now, in this episode, Chair and I talked about his thoughts around podcasting in general, where uh, where he sees the industry going, why this podcasting is having a moment, why it's gone mainstream, what is it about podcasting that allows creators to connect with the audiences and for the audiences to connect with their favorite hosts as well. We also talked about what he's learned through his own journey and after starting lots of different podcasts, Chair talked about how his thinking around podcasting has evolved over time. I also asked Jared how he sees himself growing in this role over the next couple of years. And I thought his answer was really eye-opening for me. You know, um, if you're a podcaster today, you're not going to want to miss that part of the conversation for sure. I had never thought about podcasting or, you know, where I would want to take it for myself from that angle. So you're going to want to make sure you listen to that bit. So that's what's coming up. But first... Inside Briefing Notes, the 41st edition is a futurist issue, and we're looking at the future of aging. Now, our generation grew up and lives in a very different world from our parents and our grandparents. Getting old in this century is very different from getting old in the last one. A recent study shows that today's older people have notably higher physical and cognitive capacities. Today's modern group, us, (laughs) moves and thinks younger than like our parents or grandparents, um, which is absolutely great for us, right? And that means we are going to likely have and will want to have longer working years where we want to continue being relevant, contributing, and making an impact. The bottom line is we can't think the way our parents and grandparents did at this age. Their idea of retirement won't apply to us. We are in a better shape and have better technology. And our mindset around what aging means to us will be the key to thriving in our kind of future. So three things that I want to highlight from this week's issue. Thing number one, Fast Company writes that today's older people really are younger than in previous generations. A quote from the article, Our understanding of older age is old-fashioned. More years are added to midlife and not so much to the utmost end of life. CB Insights released a report on the future of aging. How do we extend our lifespan by 5, 10, 20 extra years? This report is a deep dive on how new drugs and technology are working together to extend life and wellness. And thing number three, a look at the power of positive aging, its appeal, power, and how to live it. For more on these stories and the rest of this week's issue, head on over to secondbreaks.com forward slash archive, and you'll find the most recent editions. Now, a new edition of Briefing Notes comes out every Sunday, with each issue devoted to themes such as career continuity, resilience, longevity and well-being, the future, and technology. So subscribe today for free to get the next edition in your inbox. Today, you can hear Jared Morris host the Seven Figure Small podcast, which he co-hosts with Brian Clark. 
And if you're into basketball, specifically college basketball, and even more specifically, Indiana's Hoosiers, you'll hear him banter around with his co-hosts in the podcast, The Assembly Call. But Jared's been around the podcasting industry for a while now, way before it was even mainstream. And you know, I've interviewed lots of people, and it's always interesting for me to get the perspective of someone who's been there, done that, made his share of mistakes and all. But also, it's interesting to talk to someone who's been part of the thing before it was really a thing, and for him to talk about why it is rightfully a thing. Part of what really helped podcasting take off was how open it was and how easy it was for people to begin and to get their shows out there and to put them, you know, into a platform like Apple Podcasts or others where they could be discovered by anybody. You know, that that really made it accessible for people early on. Um, you know, no, that's not quite as true today, just because as you said, there are a million podcasts, you know, and so I mean you're really competing with a lot of other shows out there to get people to listen. But I think, you know, what is really inherent about podcasts that I think have helped them to take off and have helped podcast hosts develop such, such strong relationships with their audiences are a couple things. You know, one is just the connection that you can create with a podcast. Because when you're talking with someone about a subject, you cannot hide your voice. <laughs> you know, like your voice is going to give off the natural enthusiasm that you have. You know, if you're afraid of something, if you're not excited about something, you know, it's going to come through in your voice. And so I think when you have people who start podcasts about subjects that they're passionate about and enthusiastic about, and they bring on guests and they have these great conversations, you can really get into it because you're there. The, you know, these voices are coming in, you know, through your ears, whether it's headphones or speakers or whatever, and it's right there in your mind, you know, and it's just, there's an intimacy there that you, it, you don't get the same thing when you're reading words on a paper, you know, and even a video, you can get some of that, but the way that people listen to podcasts is different. And I think that leads into the second element that has, has really allowed podcasts to take off and that helps to deepen the connection, which is that, Podcasts have this water-like feature about them in terms of how they can just like fit into nooks and crannies where other content can't go. You know, you think about what you're doing a lot of times when you listen to podcasts, and it's the kind of thing that you don't normally do with somebody else. You know, maybe you're washing the dishes, maybe you're working out, maybe you're getting ready for work in the morning, maybe you're in the shower and you have a speaker that you can listen in the shower. You know, you're driving to work. Like, there's all all these different things that used to be kind of solitary activities. And now it's like we've, you know, we, we're bringing along these other people with us. We're listening to our favorite interviewer. We're listening to our favorite show. And they're kind of in these moments with us. And so I think that combined with the fact that it's just this intimate medium of voice in your head creates this connection that, you know, if you're there as the podcast host and you show up and someone is listening to you, you know, week after week after week or whatever that kind of that regular schedule is, you develop you develop that relationship between content producer and and content consumer that is really powerful and you know so i think you know those two reasons combined have really allowed for that connection between host and consumer and that's why podcasts have just steadily grown and grown and grown and it's look you know you could always get that with radio i mean really good radio you know could create that same kind of intimate connection but radio didn't have that same quality where you were in charge of when you listened to it and you could take it with you anywhere. 
you know, and so that's what I think has made podcasting just so powerful and made it such a great medium for creating a connection with an audience. Sometimes I wish that I had started this podcast when I first came up with the idea, but it took me two years to get going. And in that time, while I was hemming and hoeing, thousands of new podcasts came online and the field got more crowded. Today, there are over a million shows to choose from. And one statistic says that over half of those million shows are active, meaning at least one episode published in the last 90 days. So you can say it's really crowded now. And more and more professional broadcasters and named celebrities are jumping in. One might wonder, am I too late to start a podcast now, especially if you're not coming from the traditional radio or broadcasting field? I think that was probably 2008, 2009 was probably when I put my first podcast out on the site I used to run called MidwestSportsFans.com. You know, and back then there weren't many podcasts, you know, so you put a podcast out there and you could really, you know, you know, you would, you would be on the charts because there just weren't that, that many others out there. But at the same time, there weren't that many people listening either, you know, so to your point about now, you know, the recognition of podcasting has grown so much more. So, you, you know, you're right. There are so many more shows. There are so many more kind of professional people now in there doing it. And so on the one hand, you know, for folks like you and me who are kind of independent and upstart and we're just kind of getting going, and I had no experience doing this when I started, just like you had no experience when you started, it can be a little bit intimidating. And it's like, man, I kind of wish this was just all the indie folks in here. You know, these radio folks have been here for 20 years. Of course, they have all this experience. But at the same time, you know, you got to, I guess, take the good with the bad. And and part of, of what has allowed so many more people to become aware of podcasting and to get in there from a listener base is that, you know, they've been drawn by maybe a radio host that they know that had a show or, you know, an actor that they follow that has a show. You know, Serial, if you think back to when Serial came out, that was a really big moment for podcasting, you know, and it, that was a really professionally produced, well-done podcast, but it brought a lot of new people in. And so it is easy to be a little bit intimidated and I think it's easy to, you know, wish that there that there weren't as many, you know, great shows out there, highly produced shows. But I think what you've got to look at it is it actually it gives us more of an opportunity to reach our audience because more of our audience is now here. And you don't ha- you know, look, there are some amazing podcasts and sometimes you listen to these well-produced shows that are these beautiful audio narratives and it sucks you in and it's amazing. I mean, Good audio storytelling is phenomenal. But you know what else is phenomenal? An interview, a discussion between two people that is around a subject that I'm interested in, where they're knowledgeable and they're enthusiastic and they're speaking to me. And, you know, if you really know your audience and you bring on good guests and you have good conversations, that can't be duplicated. And so if you've done the work of understanding your audience and, and all the things that we talk about that you need to do to create a successful podcast, there's still plenty of opportunity out there to reach your audience. And in fact, there's more opportunity because there's more people listening. So, you know, it, it's one of those things like it's there's a challenge because you're competing with so many shows that are well produced. But that challenge presents an opportunity because it means more people are listening and you just have to know who your people are and focus on them and create something that they're really going to connect with. I feel like there are certain times when I like to listen to the very well-produced sort of the uh, This American Life level shows. But then there are times when I listen to just 
the banter or just the indie type of of uh, podcasts. Maybe it's because I was I'm hooked by the topic, or it's just different listening um, moods. I guess. I think it actually goes deeper than that. And I think understanding this is really important from a content producer perspective, which is, you know, why do people listen to a podcast? You know, why does someone pull out their phone and say, okay, now it's time for me to listen to a podcast? You know, part of it is habitual. You know, you just kind of get into this habit like every morning I wake up, I listen to the daily by the New York Times, you know, ever you have that habit. But I think the reason why people start listening or they search for a new show is they're trying to fulfill something like there's something in their life that they some void they're trying to fill maybe it's knowledge you know they want to try and learn something new you know maybe it's entertainment like they want to you know they want to listen to a story they want a diversion from what they're doing but i think the other thing to remember is sometimes the reason why people listen to podcasts is to help fill a, a gap of longing, like to, mm. you know, we, we live in a time, especially now during this pandemic, where we're not as connected as we were. And so, you know, what you just said, I think really hits the nail on the head where it's like, hey, sometimes I want to listen to this incredibly produced podcast because I want to be entertained or, you know, I want to learn this, that or the other. You know, I find myself sometimes I'm scrolling tr- through trying to figure out what I want to listen to. And I, I kind of just want to hang out with somebody like I want to hang out with my podcast friends, which can kind of sound like this pathetic thing to say. But sometimes that's the role that you fill as a podcast host. And yeah, you want to teach people and you want to give people value. You know what? If you're doing this right, sometimes people will listen to you just to hear your voice because they like the tone of your voice and they like you and they like what you stand for. And even if you don't teach them something this time, at least you were there this week for those 45 minutes when they could listen to you and hang out with you. And there's some, you know, there's some comfort there. And that is giving people value. You know, like one of the shows that I've done for a long time now, we're going to be entering our 10th year whenever the college basketball season starts. Let me guess. Yes. Um, The Assembly Call. Yes, The Assembly Call, which is just this silly little show where we come on after, you know, after basketball games and talk about the team. You know, we take our analysis seriously and, you know, try and, and, you know, really go deep on the team and all this stuff. But it's like when you really back away, you know, yes, people like learning about the team and all that stuff. People want to hang out with their friends after the game, you know? And so us being there and having fun and telling our inside jokes and interacting, that's what matters. And so, you know, the, the, the deeper reasons why people listen to podcasts, I think, are so important to help us make sure that we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and why the most underrated element of building a podcast audience is just showing up. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't need to do the work of understanding an audience and put together good content and all of that stuff. You do. But at the end of the day, a lot of times with podcasts, it just boils down to showing up. And you can't fast forward from episode one to episode 50 to episode 200. But man, the power of what you do and what you build really compounds as you just build up those episodes. And there's no way to replicate it. But that's also why if you're one of the ones who's actually willing to do that work, then you're going to be one of the ones, you know, who's going to have that rare podcast audience that's, you know, really connected and, and, you know, there for you every time you put out a new episode. Well, first off, congratulations to what 10, 10th year anniversary of the <laughs> yeah. assembly call. Thank I you. actually thought that was your first podcast. I didn't realize when you were start uh, saying earlier, that was not, there was something uh, that preceded that, which was, 
sports related also yes i, guess, right? I got through a lot of a lot of bad reps on those old podcasts that i i listen to it now and it sounds so funny my voice is all nasally and i sound so like nervous talking and stuff you know it always makes me <laughs> um, laugh what were you thinking when you first got into podcasting were you were you just like having fun this is a hobby this is a creative out outlet or were you always thinking there is something here there is an career opportunity for me and there's an opportunity for me here. I definitely was not thinking that in the beginning. Um, when I first started podcasting, I was working, uh, my business partner uh, here in Dallas, we had just kind of a small little social media marketing WordPress agency. And he was kind of an audiophile. He's a musician. And so he just decided that he was going to like create this studio uh, in our office and like brought in some mics and all this different stuff. And I was like, well, this seems kind of fun. Like, I, you know, I've always kind of liked sports. And like when I was growing up, you know, my friends and I would like play compu- you know, computer football games and we'd sit there and like announce the games, you know, just like do silly stuff like that. So I've kind of always liked that kind of thing. But I didn't have any experience with it. But I had kind of heard about podcasts. And I was like, well, shoot, you know, we've got this sports site. Let me just try some different stuff. And I think the first the first ones that I did were like fantasy football shows where I was giving fantasy mm. football advice. And then I would do these things I called quick casts where I would just do like a little short, like, you know, 300 word essay and then, you know, read it on the podcast, things like that. Then I, you know, I got into doing some interviews, and it was all just kind of practice. I didn't. I, I thought maybe let's see if this connects with the audience here, and it'll be just a new type of content. But it wasn't really anything besides a, kind of an experiment. And the assembly call was really the first one where there was kind of a serious plan behind it. Like it was okay. Here's an audience that we've identified. Here's kind of a gap in what that audience has. You know, here's you know we can kind of differentiate ourselves this way. So. You know, I never thought that it would be like a revenue generating enterprise, really, but it was kind of the first real serious attempt at it. Um, but no, you know, those early those early ones were really just kind of about trying something new and this this kind of new medium that was out there, just trying to see what it was about, really, and learning on the fly by doing it. Which is in a way fun, right? Like, yeah, you don't have because there's no pressure really to. Yeah to meet any kind of milestone or meet any kind of whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just trying stuff out. I have two kind of questions. I'll ask them both at the same time, see which one you want to answer first. One is like at the time when you were doing the assembly call, at what point did you really realize that, you know, there's something that here there we could this could actually be revenue generating. Um, and also, how is your idea about what podcasting as a work, as a career path, change over the years? So I think with the assembly call, to answer your first question first, I, I realized relatively early on that it had some potential because people were gravitating toward the show. You know, and I think podcasting was start was growing at that point to where you started to hear some ads on on podcasts and that started to seem like something that you could actually do. Um, you know, but even at that time, like that was before I was working for Copyblogger. And so I didn't really understand anything about content marketing or how to make money online besides the real traditional stuff. I just wasn't really thinking in that mode when we started the assembly call. And I think what really changed it for me was when our hosting platform that we had built was acquired by Copyblogger. And then I started working for Copyblogger and had the incredible privilege to learn from people like Brian Clark and Sonia Simone and Robert Bruce and just all, you know, the incredible people who were at Copyblogger at the time, I was like, 
oh my goodness, this makes so much sense. So you build an audience and then there's all this stuff that you can do with it over here. And I kind of kicked myself because we had a really big audience at Midwest Sports Fans, but I had never organized the audience. It was always, let's create viral blog posts and get this traffic, but I didn't have an email list. I didn't like I didn't know about that. I just like what to do with them. Yeah. What to I do mean, with it, this audience. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's partly my fault for not being curious enough to go out there and, and learn more about what I could do. But it's also when you're doing that, you get on that hamster wheel of I have to create content every single day to bring the audience back. You never really step back to say, Okay, how could I be doing this in a better way? And working for Copy Blogger totally opened my eyes about that. So that's when it changed for me with the assembly call in a big way was we'd started to build this audience of people who were showing up for our show, but we didn't have an email list yet. And so then we decided to build an email list. And as soon as we started doing that, now everything else kind of came from that because a big way that we've always monetized is listener support and obviously having an email list that we could you know, send out appeals to support us, you know, really helped us out. Um, and, you know, we were able to get some sponsors and some different things, but being able to organize our audience around that email list, which no one else in, you know, that market was doing, I think was really big. And so, you know, that, that really started to teach me more about, you know, okay, how do you take, you know, some of these ideas about content marketing, apply them to a podcast, and then when we were getting ready to launch Rainmaker FM, which was our podcast network um, at Copyblogger, you know, Brian basically said, "Why don't you do? A, we need we need a podcast about podcasting." And I was like, "Yes, this sounds awesome." And that's when we started the Showrunner uh, with Johnny Naster. That was the first one of yours that I started listening to regularly. That's how I got to know you. Yeah, yeah. And I I love doing that show. I mean, to this day, you know, of all the podcasts that I've done, I mean, that's definitely one of the ones that I'm most proud of. And just it was so much fun to do and to really take a more a more serious approach about you know, podcasting, kind of studying it and what worked and really trying to pick apart. Okay, we're building this audience with the assembly call, but why? Like, what? Let's you know, kind of break it apart so we can teach it. And it just it gave me so much more of an understanding of what actually works and why does it work. Um, and so, you know, really, it was it was at that point then to, to answer your second question that, you know, working for Copyblogger and viewing podcasting, not just as this extra thing you can do for your audience, but as, you know, this part of an integrated content marketing plan and even, you know, how it can actually lead your content marketing effort that really kind of changed my my perspective on it, um, but in a much you know deeper um, and more meaningful way. And I I miss I miss doing that. You know, Johnny and I have talked every now and then about hey, you know, let's let's kind of fire this up. You know, ironically, you know, we we never quite got the business model for that show where we wanted it to be, so that it could support the both of us. And while we were kind of figuring it out, we got these other opportunities. You know, Brian had an opening with with Unemployable that I obviously took and have, have been working with him. And Johnny did too. And that was about two years ago. You know, it's kind of just been on the back burner. But, you know, sometimes that happens. I mean, you know, if a, if a podcast is going to be, you know, a really big part of what you're trying to do from a revenue perspective, you know, it can be, you can be as passionate about it as you want to be, but obviously sometimes it bumps up into the realities of life, which is that, you know, the things that you're doing also have to bring revenue in. Um, and so, you know, for us at that time, 
it wasn't the opportunity cost was too big for some of these other opportunities that we had. So yeah, who knows? We may, we may bring that back at some point. Cause it's, I, I just, I had so much fun doing it and I, I miss the connections that we had with people like you and other people who were starting, you know, their podcast, because man, when you talk with someone who has started a podcast and gotten into it and seen the results and built the audience, there is an enthusiasm and an excitement unlike any other type of content that I've ever seen. Because that connection we talked about earlier, it's not just the audience who feels that connection listening, the creator feels it, you know, too, if they've done if they've done a good job of it. And so, you know, just being able to 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 have that impact and be part of some of these shows that started was I mean, it, it's it's really it's one of the great privileges of of my career so far, for sure. For sure, there are many elements to consider, plan for, and work on when coming up with a new show, a new episode, or a new season. So I asked Jared, because he's done so many different types of shows, what he finds most challenging in the role of a podcast host. Okay, there, it can, the difficulty can depend. Here's what I will say. Like, you know, for the assembly call, right, which is about this subject that I've been passionate about since I was six years old. You know, that show works because I can just, you know, any time of day, I can talk about that subject, you know, intelligently and passionately. So it's not... It's not a lot of research preparation. Yeah. But, you know, the challenge with that show is as much as I'd like to spend more time on it, I have a wife and I have kids and there's other co-hosts. When we first started it, I was living by myself in an apartment, you know, by myself. And I had all the time in the world to be able to spend on a hobby podcast. I don't now. Like the opportunity cost for the time I invest in the assembly call is a lot different now. It's a lot higher because it might be time that I could spend with my daughter. It might be, you know, work that I could do for unemployable that pushes things forward for us. And so the hardest thing now for me about the assembly call is, you know, I feel like I have to spend more time justifying why I'm doing it. And that's mm-hmm. hard because it, you know, look, we've, you know, generated some, you know, some revenue from it, but it's, it's not like life changing revenue. It's good revenue that covers costs and adds, you know, a little bit extra to each of us personally, but it's not a full time job. So there's an opportunity cost there. And it's hard because I, you know, like I said, I love doing it. I'm passionate about it. So that's the hard part about that one, creating the content, showing up, all that stuff. That part is not hard. You know, the other part that is hard is other, other shows that I've done that, you know, the creation of those shows didn't emanate from a personal passion, but was maybe more of a, you know, something I signed on to do professionally. You know, that's a, that's a little bit different. Even, you know, the Seven Figure Small podcast, which is about a subject that I'm passionate about, which is, you know, helping freelancers, helping solopreneurs, you know, build businesses. And at the same time, learning from other people who have done it to help me in my own pursuits. You know, it's a, it's being, that's being thrown into a new show that I didn't create, you know, so I'm, I didn't, you know, I didn't kind of meet the audience at the beginning and grow with them as I have with all the other shows. I came into something that was already there. You know, now I'm kind of hosting this with Brian and we've got to figure out our chemistry kind of on the fly. Um, and it's different when it's your show. You kind of always, you know, you kind of feel like, okay, I'm the captain of the ship. When I'm on that show, even if I'm hosting, Brian's the captain of the ship. And so it's just, it's a different mindset hosting wise. You know, it's just, it, it's different. So I think, the challenges can really can really depend on the show and and your relationship to the audience. And again, just you know, the business elements of it can also get in there. So I really I think probably for each different show, if I looked at it, I'd probably be able to pinpoint um, 
a, a different challenge, a different main challenge uh, as I go through it. Gotcha. Have you ever done like a solo? Because it sounds like all of most of the, well, at least the ones that I know you have co-hosts. Have you ever done like a solo, your own, just you? I did. Um, so I had a site back in the day called Primility. Um, and this was about kind of my personal philosophy about how balancing pride and humility is it's like the simple framework that I've always used for myself, um, just to try and kind of fulfill my potential, live a meaningful life. And so, and, you know, I had primility.com for a while, you know, was writing posts on there. Uh, funny enough, I stopped doing it for a while and just fired it back up uh, last week because I wanted to get it going again. But I had a podcast there. This was before my daughter was born. Um, and actually, at the time, my my wife was traveling a lot, so she was she's a she was a consultant at the time, and she was traveling a lot. So I would have like weeks, you know, by myself at the house. And yet, you know, it's funny how some of these projects come up when you have just oceans of time, <laughs> but then when the oceans of time are gone, it's like, oh my god, how do I, I can't I can't keep up with all these obligations? So I had the idea to do a daily show. I called it Primility Primer, and I would daily? yeah I would get up every day and. Uh, at six o'clock every day, I would go live and I would do like a 10 minute show. And I would kind of have a vague idea of what I wanted to do in an outline. And I would just talk about something, whether it was tell a story or just talk about like a big idea. Um, and then I, so I would do it live and then I would put it out as a podcast. And I probably did it for, I don't know, four or five months. I mean, there were probably 80 or 90 episodes. It might still be up there um, online. Primility, it's uh, yeah, called. Yeah, Primility Primer. Um, and so so I tried that, and it was great. Like, I really liked the freedom of just, you know, doing it myself. Um, but again, you know, that one had, you know, no business plan around it. It was just kind of a fun, you know, passion project personally. Uh, but, you know, as I had to do more work, and my wife got pregnant, and life got real, um, you know, that was one of those things that kind of had to go by the wayside. Uh, it's funny though; it's it's come back because it's kind of it's one of those ideas that just sticks with me all the time, and I always have like new things to say about it. So, who knows? There may I'm be a podcast hunt there it in down, the future, but... and I'm going to put a link to it on the show notes. Is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. I'm curious if it's out there because, you know, it's funny. I, like I, I wrote on that site for a while, but the direction just kind of meandered all over the place. And at one point, like I was just trying to kind of clean up old sites that I had. And I was like, I'm just, I'm nuking this. I'm getting rid of it. If I ever do it again, I'm just going to start fresh. I kind of regret that because I should have saved some of the old stuff that I had. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it may still be up there. I, it was, I learned a lot. I will say like I learned a lot from doing that. So I did find Primality Primer, Jared's defunct show on Stitcher. I'm going to put a link on the show notes for the curious cat. It was a real challenge to get up every day. And you know, when you do something where you have to say something every day, it really Seth Godin talks about this for the important, you know, why he blogs every day. It's yes, it's about creating content, doing something for your audience, but more it's about training yourself to notice stuff. Because if you're gonna talk about stuff, then you gotta start, you know, noticing it. Um so if you if you can do that about a subject that's really meaningful, it's a great way to motivate yourself to learn important things and kind of explore important topics in your own mind. So you've been doing this a while. Where do you see yourself growing in this role in the next couple or so years? I definitely still see myself as a as a podcast host. But I think as I've evolved as a podcast host and seen how the audiences have grown, I see myself less as a podcast host and more as a builder of community and a leader of community. Because I think for you know, for a podcast to really take off and be all that it can be, I, I think it needs to at some point go beyond just the headphones. 
you know, what I really want to do with podcasts is not just connect the audience member to me. I want to try to connect the audience members to each other. You know, like what we have with the Unemployable Initiative. You know, the Seven Figure Small Podcast is great. But I think what's even greater is that so many of the listeners of that podcast are now inside of the Unemployable Initiative. You know, having people listen to the assembly call after Indiana games or on their own the next day is great. What's really awesome is the people who show up for, you know, for the live Twitter or the live YouTube chats after every game that you know, you know, and the people then that have joined our community, you know, because now, you know, your, your podcast starts to mean so much more when it's more at the center of a community as opposed to just, you know, the center of this, you know, maybe one-on-one conversation. And so that to me is really, I think, I think where I see myself more is, yeah, I want to keep hosting shows because I love it. Like getting behind the microphone, it's fun. You know, when that green light goes on on the computer, you know, whether you're, you know, whether you're broadcasting it live or like we're doing it right now, you know, we're recording and then it'll be broadcast later. There's something so fun about that. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a really energizing feeling, but I like going beyond that and making sure that, you know, these episodes, whatever we're talking about, yeah, the subject of what we're talking about right now is important, but what's even more important is what do people do with it and how do people connect afterwards? And are we, you know, building something that's bigger than ourselves? You know, that's I would love for every podcast that I ever build for me at some point to be able to walk away from it and it still be able to live on because now, you know, the idea and the community is there and it's bigger than just the person that was behind the microphone. I, I want to see myself as you know, leading a conversation, but not dominating it and not being the only voice that's important. Um, And, you know, I think that it's, I definitely didn't think that at the beginning, but when you start to see community sprout up around your podcast, it's, you know, it's a, addicting is not really the right word, but it it makes you, it makes you want more and more of it, you know, and and to, to really see that grow and to flourish. So that, that's where I see myself is doing more of that. And if you don't mind, I think I'm going to borrow that and think about that for myself. I've never <laughs> thought about that in terms of like, you know, where do I go from here? So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for asking the question. That's really it. Because, it, you know, it's like inside the Unemployable Initiative, you know, I'm not technically hosting a podcast in there, but every week, you know, we have a webinar, we have something, you know, that I'm hosting. And it's, you know, there's just, there's something about that I enjoy even more than just, you know, than, than just kind of the weekly episode. So yeah, the community, community is everything. And I, I really think that for, you know, for podcasters who are, you know, going to be successful with this, you know, there are definitely ways to just be successful with your podcast. No doubt about it. You can make money from a podcast. You know, you're not going to, I don't, for most of us, you're not going to make you know, money that you can live on just with advertising, that kind of thing. You know, you've got to think about it as part of, you know, your overall marketing plan and, and think about monetizing it indirectly, you know, get people on your email list and then you sell them courses or consulting, whatever it is. But I think thinking about community commerce and how can I build a community and, and kind of be at the center of this growing group of people, that I think is a strategy that can really work um, when it's done right. So... Jared says that the most important thing about starting a podcast is figuring out who you're trying to talk to. You may have a deep passion or interest in a particular subject matter, and that might very well be your initial starting point, but very quickly, you're going to want to figure out who you're trying to reach with your show. And this advice applies even if you're thinking of starting a podcast within a company for an internal audience, which by the way, Jared thinks is a huge opportunity internal company podcasts are a really big growth opportunity. Um, Because again, 
you know, the numbers that you cited earlier, so many more people now listen to podcasts. And, you know, if you have a company and you want to communicate with your employees, um, you know, obviously you can, we, we know how you would use a podcast to, you know, communicate with customers and potential customers. But even as a way to communicate with your own employees, podcasting can be great. You know, not every podcast needs to like, you know, be at the top of the Apple charts to be successful. Not even every podcast needs to be on Apple Podcasts to be successful. You know, the Unemployable Initiative, we have a private podcast feed in there where it's, you know, all the content that you could get if you log into Mighty Networks, it's there on a podcast feed. Why did we do that? Because people, when people are listening to audio, they want to do it in their way. I use Pocket Casts. You know, if your podcast isn't on Pocket Casts, you know, Unless it's like giving me the secret to life, I'm probably not going to listen to the audio outside of the way that I normally listen. You know, so if there's someone that you want to communicate with, podcasting is one of the best ways to do it. You know, the, the number one piece of advice for anybody starting a podcast is you got to know who you're talking to. That's the first thing. And so if you know who it is that you want to reach and you can craft a compelling reason for why a podcast should, you know, would be the way to do it and why you're the person to host that podcast. Go to the decision makers at your company and talk about it, you know, because it's a really great way to communicate with all sorts of different people. So, but, you know, thinking about it, not just as a way to, to talk externally, I think is really important. Um, you know, and then again, it, it's, it's got to start with who you're talking to. Most people, when they think about starting a podcast, it's going to come from, I want to talk about X. I'm passionate about X. I'm enthusiastic about X. I want to start, you know, I want to start there and that's fine. Okay. So that can be the first place that you start. But if you actually want to do this to build an audience, then your next step has got to be, okay, but who am I talking to and what is the intersection between you know, that group of people, you know, their dreams and their goals and their problems and their challenges, the reasons why they would listen to a podcast, what is that intersection between that and then this thing that I'm enthusiastic about? You know, and then what else is out there and how can I maybe be a little bit different than that? So yeah, it should start with what you're excited to talk about, but then it's got to really quickly pivot to who you're talking to. And then, you know, the decisions that you make from there have to keep that in mind because if you lose sight of who you're talking to, now your message is going to start falling flat, you know? And if you lose sight of why people are coming to your show, it's going to fall flat because, you know, now there's going to be a disconnect there. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make is they think so much about what they want to talk about and they just get going, but you know, you might be able to have some short-term success that way, but it's not its not a good way to succeed long-term. That, that's actually the big challenge, frankly, that I've always had with this primility idea is I'm excited to talk about it. it like it's a, It means a lot to me personally. I've used it a lot in my own life, but I've always struggled with, okay, but who am I talking to? How does this fit with what they need? And so it's just never quite connected in the right way. Um you know, and that's, that's going to happen. It's kind of frustrating sometimes, but it, it happens. That's why that part of it is so important. So I will ask you a question that I will be honest. This is one of the first things that I, that entered my mind when I was listening to you and John Nasser and, sh- you know, the showrunner. And I go, easy for Jared to say he's got a voice made for audio. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I have never thought that. And no, and I, and I'm, I'm not, this is not false humility. I'm not kidding. I struggle to this day sometimes when I'm going on and editing. If I know that my part is coming up, sometimes I'll skip ahead because I don't <laughs> like listening to my own voice. I really don't. There's just there's something about it. And I think a lot of people face that. You know, it's I think it's hard for us to hear our voice how other people do. Now I will say, 
you know, once I really got into podcasting and I kind of, I, I finally felt like I had earned the right, quote unquote, I got a nice mic. And I do like the way that my voice sounds with this mic, with the PR40 mic, as opposed to some other ones. And so I think, you know, you know, sometimes getting a mic that matches your voice um, can really be helpful. But no, I've, I've always struggled with that. And so I think, number one, I would just say to that person, you know, welcome to the club. I think most, <laughs> most podcasters don't really like the sound of their own voice. But then, you know, I think that the easiest way to get around that is to approach it from an audience first perspective, you know, that it's not about you and it's not about what you think of your own voice. Does an audience like your voice? Do they connect to the things that, you know, that you say? You know, the the biggest reason why people connect to a voice is not just how it sounds. You know, I'm not going to say that that doesn't make a difference. It does. Some some voices, you know, connect better over audio than others. But what really connects with people is enthusiasm and authenticity and hearing different emotional tones in your voice, being able to know when you're happy, being able to know when you're sad, getting like getting to know a voice over time, that's what's more important than just what the voice sounds like. And so, you know, that's what I would say is if you you know, if your show and what you're doing, if it has a compelling value proposition for an audience that you know and that you care about, people will give you a chance. And then it's going to matter more you know, those other things that come out about your voice, not just how deep it is or, or any of any of those different things. Um, and so th- that's what I would say is that's the stuff that really matters. And, you know, we all have, you know, 50 hours of bad audio in this or, or whatever it is. Like, just know that everybody, when they go back and listen to their first podcast episodes, cringes and says, oh, my God, I sound bad. Why did I say that? Um, you know, this is awful. And you just you get better. And so podcasting is like anything else. Reps really matter. Um, and it's okay to do 10 episodes and even say like, all right, you know what? We're just going to chalk that up to learning and we'll start publishing the ones from here on out. You know, like that is okay. Jared and I recorded this conversation in the summer of 2020 in the shadow of the pandemic. So I asked him what he's looking forward to the most these days. You know, here at our house, things get kind of crazy because my wife and I are sharing an office now and my daughter's home, you know, all the time. And so during the days, things get really crazy because we're trying to balance work schedules and entertain her and all that. So I really look for the times like last night when every, you know, we dinner was over, the day had kind of, you know, relaxed and slowed down. And we just did family reading time. And we I got a new a Magic Treehouse book for my daughter. We're starting to read like more chapter-based books to her now. And we just got to sit there and read for like a half hour. You know, that that time to really connect, I think, is is what I really like. And and it really it goes the same thing. I mean, that's what I, you know, my favorite times with the family. And I think that's that's what I really look forward to work-wise too, is being able to slow down enough to have times to connect. Like in the Unemployable Initiative, when we do a happy hour or when we do a book club where it's not like, you know, we're trying to like drive revenue by doing this thing. It's more like, hey, we're going to get together with some people and we're just going to connect. That is what I look forward to. And so I actually, you know, what I'm looking forward to in a big picture sense is being able to be part of creating more situations like that, where there's a community commerce model where, you know, Part of what I do to get paid is connect with people, you know, because we've created these communities where that can happen. Um, and so I want to find more and more ways to to do that. Connect here at my house in a micro sense and then in a macro sense, be able to connect more with people like you um, and the people listening because of the work that I'm doing. 
Well, Jared, this has been a milestone episode for me, interviewing the person I credit or half the, the half of the two people uh, who I credit for starting my podcast. I want to thank you again. And um, thank you so much for sharing all your insights with me. Well, and the last thing I want to say is thank you for starting your podcast because you know, I mean, I feel like a million bucks when you when you give me credit for starting, and I'm sure that that Joanna does too. It's incredibly nice for you to say that, and it, it it makes me feel like those taking the time to do that interview with her was so meaningful because of that. But there's a lot of people who listen to people talk about podcasting, and but then don't have the courage to actually get out there and start. And you did, and that's important. And you're leading a conversation and creating a community, um, and so that is that is awesome. So thank you for for doing that because it you doing that helps me find meaning in what I do. Jared is most active on Twitter, so you can follow him there at Jared Morris. Or if you have any questions or want to connect with him, you can email him. Now, he says it's okay to give out his email address. So you can email him at jared at unemployable.com or he's got one of those new hey email accounts. So you can also email him at jared at hey.com and jared is spelled J-E-R-O-D. Of course, I'm going to put a link to all of these things, plus all the things that we mentioned in this episode, and we mentioned quite a bit. I'll put a link to all the all of those, plus the highlights in the show notes, which you can find at secondbreaks.com forward slash podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, maybe you know someone who's thinking of starting a podcast. Please share it with your friends. Tell them about this episode or about season four. They're going to thank you for it. And so will I, of course, because it helps tremendously when you spread the word. You know, I can't believe it. This is the last interview for season four. But the season isn't officially over yet. I have one more episode for you. Next week, I'm going to share my reflections. uh, What I've learned, what I'm taking away from all these conversations. Um, (laughs) I haven't recorded it yet, so I don't know yet what I'm going to say, but I will be reflecting on it as soon as I finish recording this, but that's what's coming up next week. So I hope you'll come back for that. If you haven't yet, I would love it if you subscribe to the show. You can do that using whatever app it is that you're using right now to listen to this episode, or if you happen to be listening to this on the website, if you look around the audio player, you're going to find some options for podcast apps as well. Okie dokie, I'll be back next week with the final episode for season four. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans.